Hi, I'm Nikki. I want to inspire you to live authentically. My aim is to raise consciousness through interviewing people that are living truly to their nature and purpose. David, it's so great to meet someone that has incorporated so many different things into what you do. You've Thank you. you. Astrology, tarot, Akashic records, uh, sound technology. Where do we start? Oh, and now I add animation in there. Animation? Yeah. Um, so what it is, how to say it, well, a couple of years ago I came across a term and it was deep generalist. And when I read the term, I'm like, that is exactly what I do. And the reason for that is a lot of people end up being experts in a particular area. And there is another way to be an expert and that expert is the, to see the interconnector in interconnectedness of the various disciplines because ultimately that one discipline doesn't really capture the, the totality. And so it's almost like I develop these or I, I take the essence of these things to use. So I see them all as tools. And I do go fairly deep with each of the modalities that I use, um, but it's really in the blending of them. It's sort of like using a tool it's, it's like a sculptor would have various tools to make a carving. It, it wouldn't just be like, this chisel is the thing I need. It's like, no, there'd be a chisel, there's a hammer, there's various things. And it's sort of like, these are tools to accomplish something. I love that analogy. Yeah. What exactly are you accomplishing? Well, essentially, the work that I do is involves raising consciousness, which is a very broad term. But my purpose is specifically for people of a certain ilk and that usually is people who they want to go a little bit deeper than um, just you know the seeing in full color that's what I say the first sort of thing that when people start to wake up and they have that hit is they just see the world in color and it's bright and then after that you know they, they progress for a certain part and they're like okay I've got some personal work to do I've got some childhood traumas but then even beyond that is I think the layer of, of really connecting with one's soul's purpose and the soul has left behind signs. The soul to incarnate, it leaves behind signs or it interacts with things on an energetic level. And that as a human, in the ancient technologies, they look back up and so they realize numerology is, is a way that we can interface with the way that the soul speaks in symbolism. And the human can learn that symbolism to see what the soul is trying to say. And so even with astrology, I actually look at it from two different perspectives. I look at the earthly astrology, so where was the world when you were born? Where in the world were you when, when your life took place? Certain astrologers, they'll go deep. There's, in India, they can be used to predict train schedules. Is the train going to be late? Like That's the layer of astrology because the deeper you go in it, the, the more fine resolution you have at peeling back the matrix. Now, the way that I like to work with astrology is some of the broader strokes for one's personality in this lifetime. And there's two various things that I really like in personal astrology, the North and South Node. And that's sort of like the, you know, the where you came from, where you're going, and then your actual personal astrology is the bridge of how you're, how you're getting there. And that's your personality, your traits, your energetic signatures. Uh, but that's still from the world-centric, and we call that the geocentric astrology. Then I take the heliocentric, and that's the s from the sun's perspective. What did that look like when you were born? from the sun's perspective. And that shows a longer trajectory. That tends to show like a blurring effect of many different lives. Where is your soul heading? 
So I, I, I like to look at both layers. And, and the, the thing that I realized that I like to do, and the reason why I combine many modalities, is because when I look at a person, I kind of like to see what, what octave of vibration are they having imbalance on. Meaning some people have a soul level, like a deep level. Other people, it's, it's practical stuff. It's, it's being discerning, right? So in that case, I'd want to zoom in on their life and give them practical advice and help them with that kind of stuff. Because um, what I've learned is, is a lot of people in you know, the uh, healing global, global healing community or the, the new age is that they tend to focus on a lot of the higher problems. And you know, a lot of uh, psychics, a lot of uh, clairvoyants, they can see the issues and they can really elaborate on them. But where the person is stuck in life could be emotional or it could be physical even. And when they make those corrections at a high level, it doesn't necessarily trickle down to the lower densities. And so with the work I do, it's, it's, and this is something I've talked to a lot of people about, is like, how do we deal with the lower densities? And so one thing is the being discerning. You know, so really understanding the personality level. If I get into that with somebody, I can make the clicks there. But a lot of the time, people want to know about their soul. They want to know about that thing. And they want to know about the patterns that are playing out in their life and where they came from. And that's sometimes where the Akashic Records can be very helpful, is being able to say, okay, let's go look at the energetic signatures and contracts and things that you came into life with. So the Akashic Records, I only heard about this recently. Mm. And um, I understand the, the word Akashic as meaning space. How, what are you actually accessing? Mm, I, I, I like to explain it scientifically actually because I, I feel like science the breakthroughs in, in recent scientific discoveries have allowed us to perceive the mystical world much easier so researchers recently discovered <coughs> that vacuum in space isn't absolute zero nothing there's nothing happening there's actually a lot happening and physics has had to redefine from having one universe to having an infinite number of parallel universes one of the things they see when they look at space is they see all sorts of activity happening on a subatomic level, including particles zipping out of different universes. They're baffled by what that means, but from the mystic's perspective, the mystic knows that you're calling it zero, but it's kind of like we're on this mountain of information. The whole world we experience is like a city built on a mountain. So if I hold my hand in the air, you're like, oh, your hand's two meters off the ground. But I'd be like, well, actually, my hand is... 6,700 meters from sea level because we're on this mountain that's huge and it's only a relative two meters. So most people have this relative awareness, but in everything, in the fabric of everything, is this information about everything else. And that's what the Akashic Records That's are. really what it is. And it's living and it's breathing and it's the totality of existence is written everywhere. It's non-local. Um, is there a place in time that it's sitting? No. <laughs> it's, it's, it penetrates everything in the universe. Uh, there's this, in quantum physics, there's this idea of quantum bilocation. So if two particles had been in contact and then they go off, they could be at either ends of the universe. And if one thing happens in one particle, the same thing will happen at the same instant in the other particle. There's no time lag. It's faster than the speed of light, which was uh, known as the speed limit of the universe for many, many years. So this is another baffling thing that they're like, how is this possible? 
It's because it really goes to show this is one organism. This whole universe is one organism. It has a memory. The Akashic Records are like the universal mind, the universe's subconscious memory bank of where everything that has ever happened is stored. On a very personal level, and the hypnotherapist can attest to this all the time, is that you know, we're bombarded with 2 billion data points in each instant, and our conscious mind can only handle 2,000. So we filter out 99.999% of reality, but it's not gone. We actually retain that in our subconscious. And so it's possible to remember things differently when we have a shift of awareness. So we can then remember events differently from a different perspective. So the things we might not have been conscious at the time because all of those things were recorded. So all of the information of everything that's happening is recorded. So you could see this as a very, very, very large database, both at a human level and at a universal level. Now, the thing about the Akashic Records is it's not like you go in there and you're just staring at all of this information. You actually go in there and it's empty. It's blank. It's when you start asking questions is when you start getting answers. And the more pertinent the question, the more specific the question, the more specific the answer you're going to get. You know, if, if, if somebody were to go in there, what is the meaning of life? Well, the meaning of life is to, you know, uh, enjoy yourself. It'd be as vague as the question. Would you, in that case, get a different answer from it, or from a diff an answer from a different perspective that I would if I could go in to ask the same question? You can go in, by the way. Um, anybody can go in. I train people how to access the Akashic Records. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see the number of people that can, especially nowadays, and I can get into that a little bit later as to why nowadays is good. But you're go everybody's going to get a different answer based on where they're at. And I don't think there's any two people that are at the same place fully, unless there's a group that's working very closely with each other. You know, they live close to each other. They eat the same food. They do the same thing. Like some of the um, intentional groups that work with each other, they have a group mind. And when people in that group mind begin to access the space more and more, it's very similar. And in my trainings, actually, one of the things that happened was when you'd be with a group over a prolonged period of time, you'd all do a collective journey and people would come out of it and, and repeat back what happened. And actually there is 70, 80% consistency in something that, you know, most people would say, oh, but it's just the imagination. But there's a group mind going on because people are basically journeyed to the same place, saw the same thing 80% of the time or so. And what about that last 20%? Well, the thing is you always have to um, realize is that there's always different perspectives. And the mind has a tendency for fantasy. It, and so one of the things I try to weed out in my own work and definitely when I'm teaching is to really cut through what is fantasy and projection. That is absolutely essential for this type of work because otherwise you're just going to, um, at the very least, you're, you're going to have a basically a lovely mind trip, um, but you can also basically bolster your ego. So people have pretty wild experiences. But d it, what I always feel is that you don't get lost in what you see. It's the symbolism behind it that matters. Tell me a bit about the symbolism and how you interpret that symbolism. Because you use symbolism mm. in astrology, as you were explaining in the Akashic Records. Uh, in, in tarot, is very, mm. very much sim symbolic. What the sim symbolism is extremely important. Um, and 
I think one thing to understand is that we, the physical body is an extension of a number of other bodies that have much, much, much longer lifespans. So when we die, we drop the physical, we drop the etheric, which is, if the etheric is attached to something, it's ghosts, it's, it's those type of phenomenon. You know, a lot of time when people physically die, that etheric body splits and then other people are like, wow, I felt that person die. Or, or they, there's some sort of phenomenon because that body's no longer stuck in the physical. The other bodies, there's an astral body, which is sort of our impressions, the way that our, our mind and emotions work, and our solar body. And that's actually tied to the sun. That is our soul. And that soul body has a memory bank. The solar body has a memory bank of the objective things that have happened to it that are actually of spiritual significance. Through different lives? Through different lives, exactly. And so that's why people come in to life with different knowledge of things, depending on the amount that their solar body actually has accrued. Because we can all live, you know, 100,000 lives, but some people just repeat the same things over and over again that really die with the brain. You know, those memories, those little things, you, you, you might be able to access them from the Akashic Records, especially if those patterns had some sort of an imprint, um, good or, you know, or I should say challenging or beneficial um, to the soul. But they're going to form an imprint. But a lot of the stuff like what you, you know, the path you took to work and what you drove and that kind of stuff, it doesn't matter. And so the solar body tends to store the things that are more symbolic, the things that are more of spiritual significance, the things that can be interpreted at an archetypical level. And so the way that energy actually transpires and moves through the universe to take into physical form, it's much more, it's much more better to describe it in terms of myths and archetypes. And that's why cultures have used that throughout the world for, you know, since the dawn of time, because they're describing phenomena that it's not physical. So it's not things we can see with our, our physical eyes. So it has to be, um, what's the term? It has to be, uh, you know, anthropomorphized. It has to be made into human, you know, talk about deities, gods, that type of thing, as if they were humans. Right. So it's related, but there's always the undertone of the myth, the symbolism in there. And so people always, you know, I think they have dreams. Dream symbolism is a big one, you know, and they have the Carl Jungian dream symbolism book and they have Carl Jung's interpretation and they're sitting there and studying it. But I always say, you know, you have to feel into your own symbols. You really have to feel into what they mean. There's some symbols that are just clear um, cut, like, you know, if for me, because I study tarot, a sword is, is the intellect, is the mind, but also being able to cut through a, an illusion of sorts. So if I see a sword, I see it as that more than I would see it as a weapon. Right. But other people might see it as a weapon. So there's a personal association too. Yeah, and the first thing that comes to mind for me with a sword is the pen is mightier than the sword. Right, so, so you have a completely different... Writing and yeah. Yeah. yeah, stories. So if you are doing, giving a tarot reading, um, you have a very specific idea of what those symbols mean, um, which is universal. So there is a universal aspect to symbolism as well. Ah, yeah, that's a good question because there are symbols in the tarot. And then if you read the tarot index, they'll say this means that, this means that, this means that. Um, and I... It's, w it's one of those cases where you learn the rules so you can break them. Because at the very least, uh, you want to know what those symbols mean as a foundation. And I think sometimes the way to access the tarot awareness is done through the preparation. You know, in many things involving um, spirituality, often the work is done in the pre 
preparation due to one's intention in the way, you know, if, if you work at something, you attune to that field over time. You're giving your life force to that field and therefore you're rewarded with a resonance to it. But really the magic in tarot is being able to have the cards come to life for somebody and to be actually able to see, oh, okay, I can see this symbolism different. Actually, this thing, even though the index is this, I'm going to throw that away and I'm going to read it for this person right now. With the Akashic, sometimes one thing you do is you get a lot of, I get a lot of voices that, that kind of speak to me. So, so if a voice is speaking to me, it's my duty to bring it forth. So I'm like, this is being said, this is coming through, I don't care if I sound like a jerk right now. When you hear a voice, do you hear a physical sound or is it a, um, a sentence that comes into your head? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so there's, a, there's eight psychic senses, you could say. So ways that we pick, perceive data that's not coming through the five senses. Um, and there's one called clairaudience. Clairaudience is literally audio, like that's sort of the stuff that clair is clear. So it's like the clear ability to hear. And the way that that works is twofold. Um, I have this one tendency of going for a walk, as I call it. And when I really go for a walk and I calm down, I can be in a crowded area. And the white noise, I can listen for um, cues in conversations. I pick up on snippets of conversations and they kind of answer the question that I have going. Another example of this, and you see this on TV sometimes, is The Simpsons does it, for instance, is you're flicking through the channels and you get one word from each channel and they form like the sentence of what you're, you know, you know your the, the answer to the question you had. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's being able to do that. Um, you know, it, it's, it, you can't be too excited. You know, the magic really happens when you're really calm and dropped in yeah. and, and not expecting it either. Uh, the other way that Claire Audience works for me is, I think probably because I have such an affinity for music, that it's a lot of internal dialogue almost. It's in the same way when I, when I used to get melodies in music, like sometimes I'd be at work and I get a melody that popped into my head and I have to physically repeat it to remember it. And, and so it's similar with when I get an, a message or something. I hear it internally and then I have to physically say it to the person. It's been entertaining and enlightening listening to David. In our next show, David goes deeper into the eight different psychic senses and how to work with some of them.